Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Psalm 107. Psalm 107 and reading for our text, verse 7. And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. Unto this evening, continue with the series on the way. The way. We have already considered uh, some of the other ways. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the way, the way of holiness, the way of peace, the narrow way. We've looked at those ways which are the right way. But this evening, in that which is especially concerned with the context here, the right way. And he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. We read of the account of when the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 13 came out of Egypt. In the opening verses where we started to read at Exodus 13 verse 17, State, it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Peraventure, lest peraventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. That God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed or by five in a rank, out of the land of Egypt. And our text is a summary, really, of those verses stating that that way that the Lord had chosen and given the reason for it was the right way. And a low man then would choose his own way and choose out which way to go based upon perhaps his own understanding, yet the way that the Lord leads is the right way. And it should be our desire through life that we do not go after the light of our eyes, that we do not walk in a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death, as we are warned of in Proverbs 16, verse 25. But we are to walk in the way that the Lord states as a right way. Now we might say, well, does what the children of Israel experienced, does that apply to us? They were going out of Egypt and they were travelling to the Promised Land, to Canaan. The shortest and easiest way would have been through the land of the Philistines, but God chose them a way through the Red Sea and through the wilderness, a longer way, and he says that that is the right way. But how does that equate and can we take any parallels to us in a gospel day and in a spiritual way? 
Well, our Lord in John chapter 10, he says, as he is the good shepherd, that when he puts forth his sheep, then he goeth before them. And so this is using a different analogy than the children of Israel, but himself as a shepherd, his people as sheep. And also in that passage, he is not only speaking of the Jews, but he is speaking of the Gentiles, because he says, Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, that is the Jewish fold, them also I must bring. There shall be one fold and one shepherd. To what he says about putting forth his sheep and going before them, he's bringing them out of nature's darkness, he's bringing them into his light, he's calling them by grace, he's putting them forth into this world and in the way of the Lord, and he is going before them in it. The Apostle Paul, when he writes to the Romans, uh, he says there that those things which are written aforetime are written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. We think of the warning that Peter has when he writes to the general epistles and in his second epistle and chapter 2 verse 15, he speaks of those who having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. So there is Peter in the New Testament church and he is also speaking of the right way. He is speaking of those that have forsaken that right way and he is going back to the sins of the Old Testament uh, people, Balaam the son of Bosor, and he's drawing lessons, instruction from them and he's saying that there are those today going in the same way. So we can rightly look at a passage like this and draw teaching from it for us in a gospel day. And as we said, the other subjects that we've already covered in the way, they do in themselves point out the right way, the way of the Lord Jesus Christ, the way of holiness, the way of peace, the narrow way that leadeth unto life, those, uh, those topics, those ways we have already covered here. But this evening then, I want to highlight more, uh, more closely than those ways we've already covered, but looking very much at the context here, the need of the right way. He led them forth by the right way. There is only one right way. And the stating forth of a right way is implying as well that there are wrong ways. There are ways that do not lead to heaven. They do not lead to what the Lord has promised for his people. So I want to look then at three points. Firstly, some marks of the right way. 
And then secondly, promises of being kept in the right way. And then thirdly, some comfort and assurance in the right way when it seems to be the wrong way. But firstly, some marks of the right way, not in any uh, particular order, and try not to cover ground we have already covered concerning the way. In our text, it speaks of the Lord's leading. He led them. Is one of the marks of the right way is the Lord leading his people. And here it is very particular. He's leading them from and to. He's leading them from sin and from false religion, loosing them from bondage to sin. And we find this parallel through the letters to the churches. Uh, Several of them, the apostle speaks of what God has done for them, that they have been turned from idols to serve the true and living God. And certainly when Paul preached at Mars Hill, he was speaking to those that had been worshipping idols and he was pointing them away from them and to the only way, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that leading is not driving, it is leading. When Jacob had Esau say to him, when Esau met him, that Esau wanted to uh, go before the people and he wanted to be with them, but Jacob said, no, he said, if thou wouldst overdrive but one day, then they would die that he would lead them, he wouldn't drive them. And that is the way that the Lord does with his people. Put in another way, in John 6, is those that are drawn, attracted, they are pulled along. They are not pushed from behind, they are drawn. And so the Lord went before them. And we read in that passage the particular occasion where he went from before them to behind them to separate between the children of Israel and the Egyptians that were pursuing, and so they didn't come one to another all the night. But that highlights that for uh, the time of their wilderness journey, the Lord was leading them in every step, and every time they changed their camp, it was the Lord that went before them. They had the way chosen out for them by the Lord. So that is one mark here of the right way. And you might say, well, how how does the Lord lead forth? The Lord uses many means in that way, both through the ministry, through the word and in providence. But it is the work of God in the sinner's heart that he is drawing a people to himself and to follow him. The second thing is a way then, following the Lord, following the Good Shepherd, following him in his word, following him in providence. It is uh, that which is set before us that uh, we, we see as the way 
and then go after the Lord in that way. And sometimes in providence, we don't have a choice. It's like Joseph, where if you take from the time his brothers started to deal hardly with him, he never had to make a decision in providence. He hadn't got to decide to be sold into Egypt, he hadn't be to decide whether he'd go into Egypt or not. It was taken out of his hand and to get into prison was taken out of his hand and before that who was to buy him as a slave that was not in his power either and even when he's taken out of prison and to stand before Pharaoh all of that was taken out of his hand sometimes we do have to make decisions but other times events, providences, God's hand takes it completely out of our hands we should and we do uh, make our plans subject to the will of God. But sometimes through sickness, illness, then the Lord stops up our way and changes our way. And it will be a then a way seeing the Lord to go before. He that will watch providence will not lack a providence to watch. The third thing I'd mention is to be led in a way that is first to deal with old enemies and not new ones. The children of Israel, when they went out of Egypt, the Lord said, not through the land of the Philistines. They had no dealings with the Philistines. It was not until we come to the time when they're actually in Canaan, then they have to deal with those enemies. In effect, the Lord said, those adversaries, those enemies, as soon as you're coming out of Egypt, you don't need to deal with them. Make sure you don't. So I send you another way, and the ones that you need to deal with first, and the ones that I will deal with and deliver you from, is your old enemies, the ones that were keeping you in bondage, the Egyptians. And how often it is when a, when a child of God is first quickened and first inclined and drawn to walk in the ways of the Lord, the first things that pursue them are their old sins, their besetting sins, to bring them back into bondage. That's what the Egyptians wanted to do, to bring them back into bondage. Later on, when the way got even harder, the right way got even harder, then even the children of Israel were looking back to their old sins, the cucumbers, the leeks, the pleasures, the things that they had in Egypt, and their hearts were inclined that way. And so the way the Lord chose to bring them, the right way, was not to escape or run away and not deal with their old enemies, but to actually be put in a position that God dealt with them for them and God delivered them and God saved them. But before he did, it seemed like the other way, it seemed like that the Egyptians were going to destroy them they couldn't go forward because of the Red Sea, the mountains each side and the Egyptians behind. And yet the Lord worked so wonderfully for them and delivered them. The Lord Jesus Christ, his name is Jesus, for he shall save us 
his people from their sins. And that's not saving from sins straight to heaven. It's saving from our sins here below. The power and dominion over them. We have no strength and no power to save ourselves or to deliver ourselves from our sin. And we need the Lord to appear for us. And the picture that we have with the children of Israel is the right way. And we might think it's not the right way when we walk in his ways and yet we are beset with all our sins and all the evils of the heart and the things of this world. And yet the Lord says, no, I will deal with these. The children of Israel had to cry unto the Lord. And so are you and I when we have those things come after us. So the right way was what the Lord chose with the children of Israel so that those old adversaries of many, many years, they had to be dealt with and he would deal with them for the children of Israel who deal with them for his dear people. The fourth thing then that I would say is a way that leaves the world behind and looks for heaven. They couldn't worship God in Egypt. They had to leave Egypt. In our text, it is the very clear stated aim of the leading them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. It wasn't to stay in the wilderness. It wasn't to remain in Egypt. It was to go on and it was to go to Canaan. It was to go to the promised land. And it is vital that that is the case. There's many not really called, not really quickened, that try to live still in the world, still for the world, still as if this world was their rest and have a hope of heaven, still want their sins, still want the things of this life, but also want the things of the Lord. No, the Lord said he cannot serve God and mammon. There must be that fully following after the Lord. And so our text is very uh, clear on this, this clear separation, a calling from one and to another. The fifth way is, and this would not directly correlate to the children of Israel's passage, because even when they came to Jordan, it was said to them, you have not walked this way here to four. But nevertheless, the picture that is set before us in, in gospel days is a path which is set forth in Jeremiah. And that is a path of the old paths. Now this was what Jeremiah, at the end, you might say, of the children of Israel sojourn in their own land before taken into Babylonian captivity. And he was exhorting them in this right way. And this is how he, he describes it in verse 16 of chapter 6 in Jeremiah. He says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. 
Also I set watchmen over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not hearken. What a solemn thing with the children of Israel, God's own people, and yet they are pointed to the old paths. But it's a good lesson, a good word to us. How easy it is to say, well, we're in the 21st century now, and, well, things are different. We, we do things a different way, and we need to be more modern, uh, and we need to find different ways uh, of worship, and new paths. But right from the beginning, sin is sin. And the vital need of to be saved from our sins. Conviction of sin is vital. Separation from the world is vital. A walk after the Lord Jesus Christ is vital. A narrow ways we had last week. And the walking in ways of holiness. Those old paths. It's good for us to have reference every now and again, to those who have gone before us, to read their accounts, to read their experiences, but especially that set before us in the word of God. Now off we are are reminded in this gospel day that those things that they walk through before us, they are for our learning, they are for our admonition, We are to follow that path. We think of Hebrews 11, those that walk by faith, a long cloud of witnesses. We are to be followers of them and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we help to stick and keep to the old paths. Another thing is to be kept in the way of good men. One of the things that really marks out in every change of king in the Old Testament is a reference to whether they walked in the ways of the Lord or not or whether they walked, say, in the ways of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. And there's a comparison as to how they walked. Amnon, the son of Manasseh, now Manasseh, we believe, was converted before he died, very uh, evil, wicked king. But Hezekiah, his father, very godly king. But it is said of Amnon that he did not walk in the way of the Lord. And that is a description of the right way, as a summary, the way of the Lord. In contrast, they were walking in ways of the nations round about them. They were walking in the ways of sin, in ways of wickedness, ways of idolatry and not in the ways of the Lord. And so when we read our text, we could read it, and he led them forth by the way of the Lord that they might go to a city of habitation. The last one that I'd bring before you is that which is repeated right the way through this psalm, and that is the way of prayer. In every section of this psalm there is a falling down and unto help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. The right way is a way of prayer. How shall we deal with something? How shall we confront this problem, this decision that we are to make? The Gibeonites 
take of their victuals, not ask counsel of the Lord. We know what happened there and how deceived they, they, they were. But the way for the people of God, not once, but again and again here, is the way of prayer. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. Now I try to confine just a few pointers of that right way from the passage here, but of course not to overlook that which we've already covered, especially our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. I am the, the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Want to look then secondly at the promises of being kept in the right way. Throughout Scripture, there are precious promises for the people of God. And some of those concern the way that we are to go. In Isaiah chapter 30, we read in that chapter. Verse 30, that uh, the Lord would go before his people. Verse 20, sorry. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner any more, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers. Thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. When ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. What a precious promise there. When we are liable to turn to one side or turn to the other, to move out of the right way, then the ears that the Lord has opened, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, will hear that word whether it is through the Spirit taking the Word of God and bringing it to our remembrance, whether it is in reading it or being brought before us in the house of God, or whether it is being preached and we hear that preaching and those things that we have intended to do, we stop doing. Or maybe it's conscience and conscience works. And that is as a still small voice, an unctuous line to all that is right and a bar to all that is wrong. So we have in Isaiah that beautiful promise of the Lord's keeping in the way. Then going to Psalm 32, we have the promise of the Lord's instruction in that psalm. Verse 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. So the Lord is saying there that with the horse, they are forced. Their bit is turned one way to another as to what they should do. But with the people of God, it's like the 
rider not having a bridle but just speaking to the horse to turn left, to turn right and it just obeying its voice. The other thing and picture on there is that we can only see a little distance ahead. I remember one instruction I had concerning our own motorways that we have here in England and where we have the variable speed limits and suddenly you might find on the major motorways the speed limit really reduced down and you don't know why. You think, why? And you never see why. But I had it explained to me. They said, well, those who are monitoring the motorway, they can see 10 miles, 15 miles, a long way in front of you. And if they see an accident or a breakdown and the cars all stopping 15 miles ahead, they don't want all of that traffic coming up at that time. So they'll slow and hold everything back until it's clear and then they'll speed them up again and by the time they get to where the accident or blockage was, there's nothing there. It's all cleared away. And that is the aim. So it is the guidance and the holding back uh, by someone other than ourselves, not our own sight, but guiding us. And we would believe the Lord is like that. He knows what is before us. In the account with Israel coming out of Egypt, he knew exactly what Pharaoh would do. He drew him, as it were, into a position where he'd be destroyed. And he knows the path that we go. And he knows when to hold us back. He knows when to bring us forward. He that believeth shall not make haste because we want to know the Lord's direction and guidance in the matter. Then we have a case with Samuel, and this is after the children of Israel had requested a king and Samuel had given them Saul. And he said to them afterwards, after they were convicted of their sin, he exhorted them to continue and their king in the ways of the Lord. And he said, I will teach you the good and the right way. A blessed thing to have the Samuels have the Lord's servants, have the pastors and teachers to teach the right way. And so we have these promises in the word. We have the warnings too of those that shall be false teachers and false guides directing in, in wrong ways. But may we be like the Bereans who search the scriptures daily whether these things were so, and therefore many of them believed. I want then to think lastly of some comfort and assurance in the right way. Now I'm not going to suggest that when people are in the wrong way that they should have comfort or be persuaded to stay in that wrong way. The important thing is to know that we're in the right way. But when we're in the right way, there will be those things like the children of Israel had with the Egyptians pursuing, that there are great trials in that way. And sometimes we can really be tempted and tried, are we really in the right way? But it's not for the right reasons that we are tempted. The first thing that I mention is 
that way that must be through much tribulation. When the apostles would strengthen the brethren in the Acts chapter 14 and verse 22, we read that they had went through the churches, Lystra, Iconium and Antioch, and what they were doing, they confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, that is, to continue in the right way, and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. That was a way of comfort and assurance to them. If they weren't already in tribulation and trouble, then you'd say, why are you pulling down? Why are you discouraging the, the people of God? Sometimes you can actually have it with those that are on the mount, those that are really being blessed and they've gone through the waters of baptism and some well-meaning brother would say, you know, it's not always going to be nice, you're going to have trouble and you're going to have trials soon. And you think, why not let them enjoy the blessing and the joy of what they have now? They soon enough will find it and know it. When they do, then you can come with your comfort that you must through much tribulation into the kingdom. And so it is good for us to remember that. The Lord said, In me you shall have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. When we're in the right way, we shall have it. Then it is that those that are in the right way, those that are in the way of faith, they make confession, as in Hebrews 11 and verse 13, those confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now sometimes it can be a real trial to us. Are we really in the way of the Lord if we feel to be a stranger, stranger to our family, stranger to those about us, a sparrow alone upon the housetop and feel that this is, is not our, our rest? that it is polluted. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. And yet here we have stated in Hebrews that there were those, and they were truly walking by faith, that is how they felt. Another thing while we're in Hebrews is to view, especially towards the end of that passage in passage 11, chapter 11, where we have those that uh, they were persecuted. They had the violence of fire, the sword. Uh, they uh, were uh, tortured, not accepting deliverance. They had trial of cruel mocking, scourging, shame or over, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword, wandered about in the sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. And all of them are in the right way. And these are put there uh, for our instruction and for our comfort. Going back to the psalm where our text is, he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Throughout this psalm, there's many changes 
Again and again they are brought down. There's none to help. Then they cry unto the Lord and he helps them. Saves them, delivers them. At the end of the psalm, we have this verse. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. It's a comfort for us to remember the Lord's loving kindness is not always just on the surface. Not always easy to be understood. It needs to be understood. If we had a child, are we giving them nice presents, sweets or whatever? They would take that as, as nice loving kindness from a parent. But if the parent then had occasion when they had done wrong to correct them, to smack them, then they would take a bit of understanding to understand there's probably more loving kindness in the loving discipline than there was in the gifts. And so it is to be a comfort to us as well. And often, I believe it has been to me, to read in Hebrews 12 of the necessity and what the Lord does for all of his children in chastening them and correcting them and every son whom he receiveth and to perceive the love that the Lord has to us. I want to close with that persuasion that the Apostle Paul had when he wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 8. And as he views the people of God, the people of God who are blessed with the love of God, he says, who shall separate us, in verse 35, from the love of Christ? And we think of these things that they all accompany this right way, tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So dear friends, when we are in that right way and walking in the way that the Lord has led us in, and then have many things in providence or maybe in grace with darkness and sorrows, temptations, maybe encouraged that these things are foretold as accompanying those in the right way. There is not to be that if people were to say to us, well, if you really serve the Lord and we're in the right way, everything would go smoothly, everything would go right, nothing would go wrong, no we have in Scripture the setting forth that that way is chosen by God. He will make to work for good all that is it meets us in that way. We think again of the children of Israel. He had a purpose for the way that he led them, for the things that they came into, the things that they experienced, what they did, what others did to them. The Lord had a purpose in all of it. There were blessings in it, but there were times in it as well that the Lord made his people to see what sinners they were 
and how they rebelled against him, how they murmured, and how the Lord still came back and still blessed them and still favoured them. So may we know what it is to go in the right way. He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation, that is heaven, that is inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, reserved in heaven for us. The Lord add his blessing. Amen.